All right. Blessed be you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people Israel. Blessed you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. 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 And a uh, greeting to... People. David McDonald, I think, is watching. And I'm pretty sure Mark Pettick is watching. So that's pretty cool. And, uh, Show you both. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure. <laughs> Just FYI, I was not Canadian. watching. <laughs> oh, no, I heard. A, Shout out. Is that the iPad Air? This is the iPad Air too. It's, it's amazingly like, thin. It's like unbelievable. It's like a paper. It's like a phone. okay. It's like construction paper. It's like construction paper. That's right. It's like an iPad. Okay, so where am I going here? I think I'm going here. Yeah. Okay. They're catching up, man. So, I'll I don't know if you guys have. Uh, <laughs> Seen this, but if if uh, if you're not aware, we're in the midst of some type of holiday uh, for the Muslim community. This for Shiites explains all the green. Just Simi's not yeah, so. That? So check this out. Um, I've heard of flagellation in the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. These guys do it. Shiite. These guys do it with chains. Whoa. Those are chains. Yeah. Those are some scary dudes. Those are like thin chains, though. Like right? So are they doing themselves? They doing yeah, you self-flagellate, just like yeah. the Catholics. Uh, so I, I just think it's interesting. What does this earn you? This or guy has, this guy has much from Karbala while they do it, right? I'm sorry? They're crying out to Baal while they do Which it. Which is something, yeah, I guess. Right. Do you know, do you know what it's supposed to affect? I'm really not interested, but it looks like the guy down here... On the right-hand side, uh, right in the middle the there, has, has been working on his flagellation big time. I think he wins the award. Yeah. Well, so, you uh, see a lot of other people. He was, he was uh, Jim Caviezel's stunt double in the Passion of the Christ. Uh, <laughs> this Lebanese GA supporter of Hezbollah with a bandana on his, on his head reading, O Abu Abdullah Hussein, raises his hand that reads, At your service. That's good. You know what I think? <laughs> Glass of water, please. What, what struck me was that the Christian, these guys have the chains here. They're all rolled up and they come back and go, swang. Um, we are concerned about, in Christianity, the fact that we may have offended someone. These guys are beating themselves up with chains and doing fire tricks. That is actually a pretty cool picture. Probably. Yes. That's during Ashura. There's a bunch of these guys out there. Ashura. This guy's doing it with swords, reenacting the Battle of Karbala in Najaf. These guys are getting ready to flagellate themselves, but they're obviously stepped down because they kept their shirts on. And they pray with This guy is, of course, crying out to his god. Baal. Yes, here's the... Uh, the horse on wall. This is a uh, Muslim police officer using the super scan. Those are available in the uh, North it's, it's area. Off. Skank. It's off. The yeah, one that gets me is super scan with two ends. Come on. That could be problematic. So I really I'm offended at this. I really want you to consider that. I really want you to consider that Christianity is really concerned about being lovey-dovey and warm and, and, and so the Muslims. Here is what Islam looks like. Pretty much. I don't know if you saw the um, in the news this week, but Iran, just in case we've forgotten this, made sure to make it very clear with press releases from their defense ministry that America is still the great Satan and enemy number one. That's exactly right. Bring it on. But feel good about yeah, that. They tend to destroy our naval fleet in Persian Gulf. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> death to America, death to UK, and death to Israel. <clears throat> okay. More for righteous matters. Yeah. The way of the upright. So 
Uh, I'd like to. How many of you read chapter two on uh, what is it? Zerizut? Zerizut. Zerizut. He's called vigilance. Vigilance. Watchfulness. Watchfulness. Vigilance. Yeah. So. Vigilance. Anyway, um, my uh, my wife and several of the other ladies are actually doing a Musar study uh, using the uh, everyday door. holiness. Everyday holiness. And uh, it's pretty impressive. It gives you a bit more of a background. So I'm going to try and give you some of that background because, quite frankly, I was a little disappointed that we only did Chapter 2. I think we should have done 2, 3, and 4, yeah. which would have been, what is it, how do we do that. it? Peterson. He did say that, but I wanted to wait and make sure everybody <laughs> had the book. We actually have four men that don't yet have the book. It's so, they don't have the free book online? They didn't <laughs> where it was, so they hadn't read Google it Google is so, your friend. I, I still have they were using Bing. This they were using Bing. It doesn't mean Blind men walking in the dark. That's exactly. right. That's exactly. We don't want to be blind men walking, stumbling Google. in the dark. So um, I'd like to just review a little bit and uh, give you some of the uh, detail that, that was in the book too. that uh, the ladies are using. Um, first off, a little bit of history of Musar. Um, my hero, Sa'ad Yaga'on, which he's uh, right about over there, right? Um, he wrote a book called The Book of Belief and Opinions. And there was a chapter in there called How a Person Ought to Behave in the World. That is Musar. And in fact, kicked off the Musar movement that has been going on for a thousand years. Freud has got nothing on these guys. Um, another one of the uh, classics, Duties of the Heart, by Rabbi Bakia Ibn Pakuda. And then, and then finally, the one we're working with now, Path of the Upright, by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato. I love it when we study Italians, the Ramadan. So there have been three approaches to Musar over the past thousand years. The first one pretty much says, take time. Be exact and have an uncluttered mind. I like that. I can work with that. What does that mean? Right. Which part of it? Um, in, it's all pretty straightforward. I understand take time and uncluttered mind, but be exact in... Be exact in performing the mitzvot okay. and everything else that goes along with it. Absolutely. Exactly. Don't kind of stumble through life okay. like a blind man, etc. Be so fuzzy, etc. Yeah. The other, the next one, uh, just talks about the majesty of man. We are different from animals because we have these midot. Mm -hmm. We have these traits and we can perfect them. And that was their focus. These are three different uh, um, yeshivot in uh, Europe. And then uh, finally, the last one I thought was pretty cool. Not enough to try to influence the soul. We have to storm the soul. These guys were like militant on getting righteous. Be holy Come on, let's be holy. Storm the soul. I think that's pretty cool. That's too nice. So, of course, that uh, brings up the uh, starting point of uh, Musar, that we should be holy. It's commanded. Where is it? On Leviticus. Many times. And then repeated in First Peter. First Peter. Yeah. And Matthew said it. Uh, the Matthew sure. said it. The master said it in Matthew. Right? Be perfect. Right? The last verse. In what chapter? Five. Five? Well, it's five or fifteen. Yeah, slightly different, but similar. Perfectly totally. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, So Musar offers a map to the inner life and uh, gives us a body of practices that we can employ to transform ourselves. And collectively, these traits are called Midot. So... uh, (laughs) I was reading this other book, and this guy says, uh, you know, if you're a Christian, you probably have a weird concept of you. And we see that. We've even discussed it here, right? Um, My soul yearns. Well, do you have a soul? Or are you a soul, right? Um, Can the soul and and the spirit, and how about the spirit and the flesh, and all of that? So, basically... He lays out the, uh, the three things that make us up. First, the neshama, which he says is inherently holy and pure. It is stainless, and it is the image that God put in us. It's his image, and that is us. And this goes back to the 
three T's you did a couple of weeks ago, that the the tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah were actually means of returning to ourselves, which in essence is returning to God, because He is Paul, in us. Paul mentions something a similar concept in Romans chapter seven when he talks about I do what I don't want to do, but I, what I really want to do is I don't. completely what God wants. Yeah. Also, in good. this past portion. Uh, we have the story of Lot, mm-hmm. and Lot didn't. He, if you read the commentary online, the in your homage or whatever, he's not a very like he doesn't do a lot of good things. He kind of makes pretty much one bad choice after another. Mm-hmm. But when you get to, I think it's Hebrews, it says his righteous soul it was, was ve- it's, so. It's like he's in this place, but he's like, this isn't really what I want to do. This isn't who I am. What am I doing? And so you can just see that. Yeah. In the whole calling him a righteous, not a righteous man, a righteous person, a righteous soul. So his soul is still righteous no matter what he does, even if he pitches his tents in Sodom, which is the first thing he does. It's not until well, I think I think the first thing he does is he's the better side. He looks up up and that looks good. I'll take that. But even after that, his soul is still righteous. He leaves the righteous man. That's good. There's also the mention of the three hundred and some odd. Souls. That's good. Now, so the Ruach is the animation and vigor or the spirit of life, according uh, to this rabbi. And then the Nefesh would be those visible and accessible attributes. This is, this is what we see in you. If you're angry, if you're calm, you're sad, you're upset, whatever the case might be. Um, and he says the Nefesh actually registers good and bad and gets cleansed or stained depending on what we do. Mm. Classical Christian psychology actually would not have a disagreement with most of those. They kind of fit as well. And the nefesh would be called the soul right. as it is in English and Hebrew and right. is considered to be uh, both good and it's a <clears throat> mixture. Mm-hmm. And in fact, people who are soulish actually are are driven by the wrong thing, motivated by the wrong thing, right. even yeah. though the soul may have a mixture of good and, and evil at, mm-hmm. at work. Mm-hmm. If they're soulish, they're depending too much upon one side versus, one the, side other. versus the other, whereas they should be spirit-driven, you know, that, that dividing of spirit and soul, right. the whole... Cutting us under. Yeah. yeah, and I'm also seeing here that the Ruach is, even though it's a translated spirit in English, in the, in the traditional Christian interpretation, it would almost be like Related almost to like the flesh, like the body. Right. Like the, the this is what is, makes it move. This right, makes it you, breathe. Makes you alive. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So uh, the reason I bring this up is because we don't need to work on the neshama. It's, it's already it's so done. It's done. So what we need to do is make the nefesh line up with the neshama. Right. Right. And that's that's where these blemishes are that we need to work on and get things uh, balanced out. Now the neshama. Um, I know Rick is going to love this. It's uh, from one of his uh, uh, favorite poets. It's from Moshe Ibn Ezra. Mm. Um, Listen to this as he writes about Neshama. In my body he has kindled a lamp from his glory. That's awesome. It tells me of the paths of the wise. It is the light which shines in the days of youth and grows brighter in old age. Were it not derived from the mystery of his light, it would fail with my strength and my years. With it, I search out the chamber of wisdom, and I climb with no ladder to the garden of delights. How cool is that? Man, focus on that for a little while. I think uh, the Ron Call mentioned in this book, I can't remember if we we got up to because I read a little bit ahead, uh, about us climbing the ladder of uh, Rabbi... Yeah, something that's got a P in it. What is it? The ladder of Rabbi Pincus Ben Yair. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of gave new meaning this week to me for, you know, we are climbing Jacob's ladder, you know, and all that stuff. But I think ladder, and I think, hmm. They don't teach us a camp. Come on. Yeah, they don't teach us a camp. (laughs) So here's the the concept that. that the uh, that the whole Musar thing is, is trying to give us, I think, and just a, as an example, right? That if the neshama is the sun, 
our midot is the weather, okay? Mm -hmm. And the extremes that we have in our character traits, leaning one side or the other, a little too strong or a little too weak, actually are like the clouds, and they block the neshama. Uh, the character traits, right? All these character traits we're talking about. So the whole idea is that our poor representation of each one of these character traits is blocking the neshama from shining in our lives right. to affect others and to bring glory to God. Carolina. Exactly. That's cool. Isn't that neat? Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's the deal there. And in fact, Musar is tikkun midot anefesh. Correcting the character traits of the soul. That's it. So we are trying to correct ourselves. So, dredging the unconscious, um, we're going to learn about as we walk through here, because the tools is how we ended up, right? In the, at the end of our chapter, he says, okay, now, the, the Ron call is going to give us the tools necessary to do this work. Well, these are some of the tools. Meditation, silence and retreat, and then journaling or writing it down. Hmm. He sure didn't do much journaling, but he was pretty good at the first one. He delegated yeah. the journaling. Maybe he journaled, we just don't know about it. <laughs> That's right. It's so contradictory. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe, so maybe his journal is... The Rebbe also never wrote any books or anything like that. Maybe, maybe his journal is the... Well, they remembered it now. They didn't write it. <laughs> well, maybe... Cheshbon maybe, Hanefesh. Well, doesn't mean writing at all. Well, it literally means it's an account yeah, of the soul. Yeah. Um, the idea okay. is that you're... Which is part of vigilance. Which is part of vigilance. A reckoning. Yeah. A reckoning of the soul. Um, depending on the, on, the, on the rabbi, you're flavor you're going with, some would encourage you to, to take make an account during the meal when you're eating or at night when you're going to sleep. Yeah. That's what this guy's doing. So these guys were really the quantified self before the quantified self was cool. That's right. <laughs> there it is. Yes. Um, are we going to talk about these or should we yeah, ask questions? Yeah, go about talk. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to use this as uh, points for discussion. So go. Uh, well, I, I really just mostly had questions about like, what would be the difference between meditation uh, hit, Bonanu and hit Bodanu. Um, from what I understand, oh, maybe Pete would be better. <laughs> I was going to say, from what I understand about this, the meditation is focused much more on, um, it's not more like you're focusing on something, whether you're using a phrase or saying, like over repeating again, a phrase over and over, or you're just thinking stretcher. about something. And yeah, yeah, it's much more about focus. The silence and retreat is more about like thinking through something, talking it out with uh -huh. God. It's like, what I actually had read, uh, one of the things that the um, Jewish meditation book encouraged in right. one of its steps the was mantra. to go through the Hitbonanut as like a mantra meditation where you say right. the same phrase. They they, meant, they recommended um, Rabona. Oh, I said God me. before me. Uh, the, yeah, the, yeah, sorry? Rabona. There we go. Thank you. I said it so many times and I forgot it. Um, but then silence and retreat would be like the five minutes after that where you spend time just talking with God about what you just did. So right. the idea yeah, is fine. the meditation like gets you in the right, the right place, and then the silence and retreat is designed for it to be like a communion with God in the midst of it. What we would see, uh, like an example of silence and retreat, is viewers in the movie um, Ushpazin. Yeah. In the film, well, out, he runs, runs out of the woods, the woods. Yeah. he's talking to God, yeah. that would be like so the... Also, when he's, like, early on when he's on the bench. In the playground, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like the, uh, like the Psalms speak of in forest fields. Yeah, out to the many of the sages, so, many of them. Um, actually, I mean Yeshua, many times in the Gospels, we all see this all the time. All yeah. find himself. All the time. Many of the sages say that um, you you should get with nature on your body. If you have an opportunity, get near a tree, do it, just to experience so creation and so forth. Um, but um, a couple of the sages I was reading this week made it clear that. As, as the rabbi did in this chapter, what's crowding out God's voice? Yeah. Everyday life. So go be somewhere where it's quiet, and they all recommend you be alone. And I've experienced that. I took, uh, I mean, this is like 25 years ago, um, I took like 20 guys on a, a shoot and pray. <laughs> uh, What's preventing us from doing that again? What, what, what hindereth me, Rabbi? Um, <laughs> so yeah, we took like 20 guys, bunch of guns, handguns, shotguns, rifles, you name it, and went out way into the middle of the woods. <laughs> and, you know, we had a little uh, opportunity for prayer together. 
and uh, prayed for each other and some of the prayer requests that you guys had. So and I said, okay. And we shot each other. I said, this time, let's, let's go get guns and, and shoot in the opposite direction. Shoot. So we set up some some cans and, and stuff like that, and we shot and made all kinds of noise, and it was fabulous, macho, camaraderie, competition. It was great. And after that hour is done. You guns are hot. We put everything down, and I said, okay, just go. Go away so that you are not in earshot or in sight of another man. Just make sure you can find your way back here and spend an hour. And when they came back after the hour, they said it was one of the toughest things that they had ever done. Big grown men keeping their eyes But just at the end of it, it started to to click. And they actually asked for another hour after we ate. So we shot some more, ate, and then we did another hour. Because it was so, and these are just regular Christian guys, it was so dramatic to them. Because I think they met God in the woods. Can I ask good stuff. Another question about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, regarding the meditation portion, and this is because I, I looked a little bit at Rabbi Eric Kaplan's mm-hmm. stuff. Um, would that be more kind of for more advanced levels? Uh, so should you stick to Hibodu? Because I think of meditation, I think of mysticism and understanding Kabbalistic um, concepts, and we should do that or. Would there be different levels of meditation that will allow you to do maybe a little bit down here, but then if you get more advanced as you go, like what? There's definitely levels of meditation. Yeah, and I don't think it matters right now because that's what he's. Those are the tools he's going to give us. Yeah. So let's wait and see what he says. But okay. surely, can you have too much meditation? No. When you're, if you're still working, I don't think about, about Ari Kaplan. When he's talking about Jewish meditation. Yes. So yeah, and his book he like, specifically mentions there's a bunch of different <clears throat> levels of yeah, it. Okay. Some of which is actually really deep where. You're so deep that you would actually require someone to, to snap you out of you it, or like keep you from like really damaging yourself. Yeah, yeah very yeah. much. Very so much like I don't, I don't think we're going to get that deep into the meditation stuff. Yeah, I just didn't. he's just going to give us the tools. Now, how far you want to take each tool is up to you. So again, just a, a review. Um, I, I found this quote with regard to Musar that I thought was 180 degrees out from what I learned in the church. A pious Jew, which is where we want to go, right? Pious is the level right before holiness. A pious Jew is not one who worries about his fellow man's soul and his own stomach. A pious Jew worries about his own soul and his fellow man's stomach. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Turning it right on its head with regard to spirituality, my concern is not your spirituality. My concern is my spirituality. It's the Mido that's, in me. That's right. James, James chapter 1. It's like the church. Uh, we are all like, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about your walk. I have a prayer request about John. John's walk, yeah. And I'm right. going to go ahead and gossip with you. Care about the loss. I, I actually <laughs> have an unspoken we about, about the loss, but we don't yeah. necessarily... We, we do care about the loss. I mean, the church cares about the loss, but they also... And they also care about the people who are going hungry, whatever else. But sometimes all the attention is on the caring for the loss. It's like, if we feed them and they go to hell, what was the hell? Exactly. (laughs) And and didn't the master Uh, say this? You fed them. (laughs) Go to hell with a full belly is pretty good. Didn't the master say that? Yeah. You say, be well, but the guy's empty. Yeah, Yeah, there's another really cool saying that goes along, right along the same lines as this. It's Someone asked, what's the difference between a rabbi and a rebbe? And it's the rabbi will they'll go find the answer for you to whatever question you have. But the rebbe is actually genuinely concerned for the well-being of your soul. Yeah. So, if you've seen that movie, uh, A Stranger Among Us with Melanie Griffin, uh-huh. Griffith, Griffith, uh, Griffith, yes. And <laughs> she plays. She has to go undercover as a New York City cop. Into the Diamond District in a Jewish, Jewish an Orthodox Jewish community. Jewish community, and she uh, she's talking to the rabbi about, you know. I think he's the rabbi, isn't he? he yeah, he's the rabbi. You, have, I don't know. You haven't seen what I've seen, rabbi. And he looks at her and he says, "I've seen your soul." And she goes, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff. "All right, so 
I looked in the other Musar book to find what it started with. And it started with humility. And just about everything that I found on the internet for Musar says that you should always start with humility. We didn't start with humility. We started with vigilance. So I was kind of curious about that. And <laughs> this is... Uh, is that Sarah yeah. Palin? This is Jada De Laurentiis, and she is a uh, master chef. My wife's got a lot of her books. And she is like as enthusiastic as it comes when it's cooking. <laughs> she's Italian, she's over the top, and she's just always enthusiastic. And enthusiasm seems to me to have a little bit of a kindling to the vigilance, that we need to be enthusiastic about Watching what's going on. Ever listened to anything by Rabbi Daniel Lappin? His 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 uh, enthusiasm is contagious. It is, yeah. And so is <laughs> hers, right? All right. So uh, here's what we uh, here's what we read about, right? And this is just taken from another perspective. To live with spiritual integrity and authenticity requires that you break through the smothering curtain of routine. That's big. We get caught up in the routine. And we don't get anything done. So this rabbi says to consciously tick up your enthusiasm a notch. The way the Ramkal put it, it's the relentless daily routine that is robbing us of the opportunity for introspection. And that's what this is all about. Is that over the next several weeks, what do we got, 18 weeks, 9 weeks yeah. to finish? Uh, I, I do think we should next week come back with both chapters 2 and 3. And finish vigilance. Four. And then. Vigilance goes on to like chapter five. Yeah, four and five. To whatever vigilance yeah. is. Finish vigilance. And um, and then we'll move on to the next. Hindrances. Yeah, hindrances to him. How to get it, what is it, you know, what are the tools, what's the hindrances, he, you know, he just walked through. I mean, the chapters are pretty short. Yeah, not that. So it's, it's not, it shouldn't be a, a, a real big burden. I would think that it's a little bit helpful maybe to find routine because, uh, you know, the. Uh, um, Sages talk about, in particular, to make a practice of you know, the mitzvot, make, make them routine. So it's, in that well, regard, it's not talking about a... That's not the same routine. That's what I'm saying. It's not talking about the, a routine or a discipline of right. study or whatever yeah, else. It's talking it. about a routine of daily life, yes. which is actually not routine at all. Well, that's that's the problem. It's it's that noise of the world, and it distracts us. It's not. It's actually it's it's lacks routine. Yeah, lacks discipline. Yeah, the the day to day grind. I think is where he's come from. Yeah. Well, I I was as I was reading that because I was thinking about that too, and I think the point that I was getting from this particular chapter was it's less about the actions and it's more about what the actions mean to you. Because if you're constant, if you're doing the exact same actions that you normally do, but with each one you're thinking. Is this good or bad? Is this helping or hurting? Yeah. Then that's what he's more talking about. True. Yeah. The habits, of course, are a good thing. The routine is a good thing. But being conscious of them yeah. while you're doing them mm-hmm. is the yeah. important I, point. I think in this one, he's really talking about that daily routine of life that is outside of the study and the practices of Musar. It's the, i, I got to get up and go to work. Which, which he, you know, of course... In chapter two, he talks about that that is a tactic of the Yetzer Hara. Exactly. And I love the analogy to, to Pharaoh, right? That what was Pharaoh, how did Pharaoh, uh, what was his strategy to prevent the Israelites from being able to contemplate rebellion or have well, God, God gave them more work? work. Keep them, them busy. Keep them, 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 them work. work around the clock. Yeah. Um, they have time no for ability to, you know, um, yeah. to rise up against me, right? Yeah. So, but what I like uh, in chapter two is he he made several he, he references several verses from the Tanakh as well as um, from the Talmud and other sources. But uh, at the end of the chapter, um, uh, there's a statement here. It says for if um, if if one does not monitor himself, the Holy One blesses he will not monitor him so that he not fall into sin. Right. For if he does not care about himself, who should care about him? This is in line with what our sages of blessed memory have stated. 
from uh, uh, 33a, anyone who does not possess discernment, it is forbidden to have mercy on him. Mm -hmm. And and there's a footnote to that, which I won't read, but you know, you just kind of think about that. Footnote's a little more gentle. Uh, (laughs) And this is also the meaning meaning of what Chazal has said in uh, vote one, if I'm I'm not not for myself, who is for me? Which it makes is actually sense. a quote from Kalal. Yeah, yeah. Kalal said that. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is uh, moving, uh, moving quickly. Be enthusiastic, and uh, I, I'm throwing visions in there with it. Rabbis found the basis for their teachings on enthusiastic action in the Torah's instructions on eating of the Passover lamb. It's supposed to be eaten quickly. From this general principle is drawn that we should not delay in doing what is spiritually beneficial. So if we're watching, being vigilant and enthusiastic about this, then we should uh, move smartly. When a mitzvah presents itself, don't let it go stale. Melchilta Shemot, 12.17. King David said in Psalm 119, I was quick to keep your... It's in the Pirkei to run to perform even a minor mitzvah. That's it. That's exactly right. It's in Acts with Philip, the eunuch. That's right. Well, let's just do it now. Yeah. What what hindereth me? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the dictionary. That almost would be on the next one. Yeah. I like it. I'm just putting stuff together to try and get us talking here on this first time. We're having the word. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter says it is insufficient for man to improve his general will, to long for the good, and to despise evil. That's just not good enough. Actually, it's detrimental. Yeah. You just you can't just hope. Because that that's not going to work. That'll make you count. You will you will go backwards. So, if that won't do, what will? He continues. Seek the means of correcting each individual trait of your soul. Hmm. These are the midot uh, that we're going to be going through: vigilance, alacrity, which is uh, moving quickly there, the cleanliness, abstinence, purity, piety, humility, yirat, fear of Hashem, and then holiness. I think it was. You know, he's talking about like not hope. I think it's like First Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. I think it's like something fifteen, but he ends. No, it's I think it's Romans. He said um, in perseverance versus character, and character hope. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple more character traits in there, but he ends with hope instead of yeah. starts with hope. And hope does not disappoint. Oh, yeah, good. Different kind of hope. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a different kind of hope. Now, so we've got nine. Is that nine? Yeah. Nine midot that we're going to be going through. So the other uh, the other Musar book, just so you're uh, you're with it here, has eighteen. So I see the ones on the left to be sort of broke breakdowns of some of the stuff sure. on the right, right? So. Uh, um, no question, the other book, um, it's the uh, Everyday Holiness, um, and it's the Riverton Musar movement uh, on the web. And uh, They've got these 18, and they go through it, one uh, character trait each week. Start out with humility, that was two weeks ago, last week was patience, this week is gratitude, I'm very grateful you guys are here. And, uh, <laughs> And they go through one one week, and you can buy the journal so that you are encouraged to spend the time alone to study, and then at the end of the day, as Gregory said, to to journal it and write it down. So um, I'm going through that with my wife, and um, I'm her chavarut, her partner in this, as I'm holding her accountable to it, and she's doing the same for me. So as I'm walking through that, in 18 weeks, how long is that? Three months? Oh, no. Four, eight, twelve, four, four and a half months, something like that, right? Um, we're going to go through this uh, in about nine weeks, ten weeks, something like that. So, um, I my goal tonight was not just to do a quick review of, of vigilance a little bit and try and throw in a little bit of enthusiasm there, um, but also that you would understand that this is not new. The sages have been perfecting this over a thousand years, and they are very good at it, at perfecting the soul. 
and we can learn from them. And whether you're doing nine character traits or you're doing 18 character traits, whether you're starting with humility or you start with vigilance is irrelevant. It's the practice. It's the doing. And it's the recognition that there is in me a spark of God, if you will, an image that he put in me of himself. And I should be transparently showing that to you. And in any way that I am not, that's where I need to work. And I need to polish those and balance those out so it's not too strong on one side, arrogance, or too light on one side, timidity. But it needs to be balanced out the way he is. A question about the, the routine aspect. Uh, we're <coughs> kind of reviewing chapter two. And I mean, it's pretty much short chapter, but it's just telling you to scrutinize your deeds. So, I mean, there are times where you're just busy, and you've got just so much to do, you're just in a season where it just, it's not going to let up. Uh, there's just, from the morning, you don't even get lunch, you're working through lunch, things like that for a season. Like, what do you do? Do you just kind of, kind of pay as you go? Like, for every little deed, you're just kind of thinking about it, or do you intentionally... As much as you can, take 10 minutes at the end of the day, or whatever, or the, the morning, and try to do it. Like what, or is it just, you know, whatever works for you? Well, let me, let me help with one part of it first, and that is the goal is that we would not just, as Peter said as we first started, that we would not just stumble, stumble through life blindly, like, like a blind man in the dark, right? But that at every moment, posed with a, an action, an, an opportunity, a statement, talking to someone, that I would start to see that there are two doors. I can go through the door and respond the way I always do, or I can walk through the other door, recognizing that there may be a more appropriate response that does not, as the clouds do, block that neshama from shining through. So I can do that whether I'm busy or not. But I think the rabbi's point in this chapter was that's exactly what hinders you yeah. is that we're busy and life itself is what's in the way of us walking our faith in this life. The, I, got you, I, I think that I think that sometimes maybe we need to look at the extremes to kind of help us deal with Clarify, this issue. Yeah. Uh, and I think that we, if you if you consider the world, not 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 religious people, whatever background, but just yeah. the world in general. Uh, they know there's a right and a wrong, but they're really stumbling through life trying to discern what's right and wrong. And it's not part of a, it's not part of an ever consciousness. I would venture to say there's nobody in this room that thinks that way. So far from that, that you can't contemplate what that's like. Right. But if you think, if you think about the people around you, at work or whatever else that aren't in any way religious, whatever background, they're not, they're not guided by a morality that is constantly at play in their mind. They're guided by a, just a, a wishy-washy ethic that of the people around them and the influences they have, and it's, that's the blindness that we're talking about. We're talking about going through life knowing, not really knowing where my ethics are coming from, thinking that it's somehow moral and objective, when in fact all it is is an influence of the people around me. Nobody in this room is that way. The question is, how can we become more vigilant? Not that we're already vigilant. That's why this is the first step, and it actually is an excellent first step, because you got to know there is a choice. Yeah. And everybody knows action. we got that choice. We know in this room, we know we got choices. Yeah. And we know we're, we're, it's, it's very important for us to make choices. And so we're actually vigilant. The question is, how do we become more vigilant? So whether it's an official sitting at the end of the day and contemplating all you did, or whether you're working in the field as a farmer, in the 18 hours a day, and in the middle of it, all the time being vigilant that every choice is a question between am I going to be uh, following after the way that God has planned for me to do that pleases him or am yeah. I going to be doing what I want? That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, and, Thank you. And I think, um, I mean, I just come relating that to a, a common everyday business concept, which you know, there's a basic business concept that um, you can't manage what you're not measuring or not monitoring, right? 
So it's the idea of having the consciousness. Knowing what's going on. That to even be aware of, okay, what are my actions? You know, what are they? What are they? What are they doing? Are they really good or not? Quantifying. I mean, having just just getting in the habit of being consciously aware to even ask the question mm-hmm. is the basic starting point right. before you could ever begin to actually, you know, uh, make adjustments. Right. right? Yeah. You gotta you gotta first be able to be in the habit mm-hmm. of monitoring your actions. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's something that definitely comes with habit. Like the more that you do it, the easier it gets. Um, one thing that I think is also helpful is we've been studying the Torah, or we're in an awesome part of the Bible right now yeah. to be thinking about Musa. I mean, like, throughout the Tanakh, throughout the Torah, you get lots of good stuff, but the, the stories are so good to show you not just what to do, but how to do it. Yeah, so, like, do. You, like, for <laughs> example, like the sec- second one of this one is Alacrity. Well, we just got to reading about that. You know, Abram's running all over the place trying to Great. make sure he serves these guys just the right time and gets them there. Just having been, you know. Yeah, exactly. He, he's in pain, but he's moving quickly because he's important to do what's right quickly. And thinking about, like, that's one thing, like, I, for me, just from my study of Scripture, I have found that um, the story narrative accounts to be some of the most helpful Amen. in this, um, as well as um, the apostolic writings. Yeshua's comments and the epistles are really good at getting you, getting you to think about um, not just what you do, but how you do it, uh, when you do it, in what way you're supposed to do it or even, say it or whatever. Even in the book of Acts, where you read about a guy like Stephen, they chose him. Why? Because of his character. Right. right. And then when they, when they haul him up... So it wasn't a seminary background? Got it. I may have added an addition to his character. <laughs> okay. yes, but yeah, hurt. But basically, when you're, when you're reading through, uh, against him, yeah. yeah, when you're reading through, when you're reading through Genesis Sometimes right now, um, it's probably good to just like be asking yourself, like not just not just reading the story, but ask yourself, why did Abraham do this? Why did Isaac do this? Or or look at it and go, okay, so so this is what they did on this particular action. What's the relevance there for me? One of the things that the sages got really into I read recently, um, they contrasted Noah and Abraham because Abraham prays for the people of Sodom. Yeah. And Noah, from what it appears, never prays for the people around him. They point out that Abraham had 300 and, what, 316, 318, 318 disciples, yeah. and Noah had zero. So their, their point being is like, you can look at those, well, yeah, his own family, but no one else. And you can look at like things like that and try to find those nuances in the stories, especially now that most of us in this room have probably read this five, six times by now, or, or, or like, even close to it. Um, it's a good time to like Are we really. Are talking about the Bear sheet. Yeah. sheet. To start really spending at like, least more, five or six times. 10, 12, 15 <laughs> for some of us. So when you, when you do that, you should like take the time to really look at it, looking for things like this. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe so. Well, what. What I want want everybody to leave with tonight is the path. So I, I want to make sure you understand what I'm talking about. So if somebody wants to know what is the path, what is the way of the upright? Because the sages take it right out of the sitter. They put it in the sitter, right? They go through those four folks that we read every, every Shabbat. It's the mouth of the, you know, the righteous, the pious, you know, and all these guys down to the upright. So, how do, what's the path? How do I become upright? How does that happen? And there is a path. And the beautiful part about it is that it's almost comical. For, I mean, for me, I, I you know, I, I argue against people in, in, uh, in the pagan world that say, well, there's many paths to God. Well, actually, it turns out that's true. Now, there's only one door. I get that part. Our master. But there are many paths. And actually, there's an infinite number. Because the path for you to become upright is completely different than the path for me to become upright. Because what is upright? It's correction. Yeah, it's when my it's when my blemishes are erased and it matches up with the same neshama that's in you is in me. That's upright, right? So the blemishes are gone. Well, 
you all should know, of the ten of us in the room, I not only have probably more blemishes than most of you, but mine are pretty dark. Here's a righteous man. Well, here's a right. Well, you're all righteous men. But that's where we start, being a righteous man. Now, how do I make it to be a pious man? And how does the pious man become a holy man? And the answer is, you walk the path. Well, what's the path? Well, the path for Peter Squitcherini is different than the path for Joseph Squitcherini. And our goal in this course and in this book and for the rest of our lives is to find the path and walk it. Because maybe you don't have a problem with patience and you practice the patience of Job. And when it comes to the neshama, God's patience, his long-suffering is so apparent in your life, you don't need to work on that one. I got news for you. I got to work on that one. So while I'm going this path and turning and getting to the same destination, your path is different. And that's Musar. You said it would take me a lifetime. And I was under the opinion that we would be doing this in nine weeks. Absolutely. <laughs> that I would achieve this state of, of holiness in nine weeks. And it's a great disappointment to me. Because when you start thinking about a path, yes. you start thinking about a destination. Yes. And what we need to recognize is, although the destination is a goal, and it is a laudable goal, it is exactly what we should be striving for. It is a walk yes. that is being established that is far more important than the goal. Amen. That's exactly right. So as Walking we go through, we may go through this a lot of times. Well, it's, it's, this, like I say, it should be a lifetime deal. You go through them, we go through them again, we go through them again. Actually, you go through them again, and that's, here it is. Write it down, memorize it. That's a How do I walk the walk? It's a constant refining. Yeah, we never hear that in the Christian church. In the visible representation of the church. I said the words once, I'm good to go. Yeah, or well, you ask the priest. Father, what do I need to do? Stuff like Henry Blackaby is very big on this. And actually, you know, would, 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 would absolutely be lauding every single thing that's you been bet. talked about here. You bet. So it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's not, a, some it's not working in a vacuum. When it's, it's, it's not a foreign concept. Yeah. But the idea that it has been over 1,000 years or more perfected by you, yeah, is, is what we normally won't hear. But I'm excited that I'm going to be reading about and learning tools that will help me to better walk and represent my master, draw closer to my God, connect to him more tightly, and bless others. That's the goal. We should do that retreat thing. You want to do that? You like to shoot, let's shoot and pray? Let's do it. <laughs> and have pancakes. And have pancakes. And we need to go where there's a river. We can do a mikvah. Yeah, one of those cold ones. <laughs> Alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just men. Right, yeah. Just an individual. Just, yeah, yeah. Just think about the baptisms in Siberia. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> baptisms in Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I never thought what of that. Yeah. We go to Chicago. Talk about polar bear club. Yeah, it's in Chicago. I found some really. Cool commentary here in the uh, the good Nick to Helen um, in the verse in Psalm two that says, um, "Let us break apart their bands and cast away from us their cords." Uh, let us break apart their bands. This is they expand upon this, saying that the Jewish ethical teachings are often referred to with the Hebrew term musar from Proverbs one two, meaning discipline. Mm. A person who practices Musar constantly controls and subdues his animalistic urges. In this verse of Tehillim, we see another insight into the Musar idea. Let us break apart their bands, Mosorasomo, uh, to tie or band your desires, so that they A, do not run out of control, and B, so that they are consistent with the desires of of your loftier aspirations, the yearnings of your godly soul. Paul would, there you go. Paul would like that. There you go. 
There, there's one thing I want to make sure we got, and, and that is, because uh, I think he mentioned this in the chapter about um, the uh, evil inclination, right? The, um, the, the idea that the desire is not to get rid of the, uh, the evil inclination. Subdue. It's to subdue it, because... It, or enslave in, it. Yeah, in a, in a in a continuum, if if we're fully controlled uh, by the uh, what's it, what is it? Yetzer Or versus the Yetzer Tov, um, the idea is not that the Yetzer Hara is here and the Yetzer Tov is all the way over here. It's more that the Yetzer Hara is trying to get us out of the middle, out of the equilibrium. We're, we're going too far this way. Or we're going too far that way, right? So it's not that they're at opposite ends. It's that the Yetzer Tov is consistent with the Neshama, which is in the middle, where it's in balance. And that particular character trait is not being influenced unduly one way or the other. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's exciting that I'm I'm trying to subdue and control the Yetzer Hurrah rather than dispense him or dispatch him or, or kill it. It can't be done. It cannot be done, and in fact, God put it there. Well, the sages say that it's easier to learn and know the complete Talmud than it is to correct one bad character trait. Yep. So, just to reiterate Taylor's point, too, about like what is the, the, the good choice, you know, as we're supposed to this week go through and make decisions with each thing, you know, being watchful and vigilant. It's like, I think that was a good point. It's like, well, what is the good? Like, in order to find that out, you have to have Torah study. You have to have the sages say that God gave us all the Yitzharah, but He gave us the antidote, which is the Torah. Yeah, yeah. So that is the that is the presupposition: is you cannot have vigilance if you don't know what the Torah says. That's right. Yeah, well, it's back to the folks you were talking just about. Just wandering around. They're just wandering around. They don't know They're good blind. from evil. They don't know uh, good from bad. So something for the Torah. I thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who do dwell in the study hall, and you have not established our portion with idlers stumbling through life like blind men in the dark. For we arise early, and they arise early. We arise early for words of Torah. They arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil. Taylor even toils more. We toil and receive reward, and they toil and do not receive reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, in you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out after days, but as for us, we will trust in you. Amen. Amen. Amen.